joining me today on another episode of Talking Cloud. Now, you know, this is where we talk about cloud, all things cloud, anything cloud, cloud computing. You know, it's such an enormous word. It seeped into every aspect of our computing lives. Now, I've told you many times, I am no expert, but I do know how to seek out the experts. And today, man, we got a great one. Uh, we're I'm so excited. I love to get... Uh, the perspective from the sea level, and we got an outstanding certified CISO today that uh, we're going to have a great conversation with. Now, John, I mean, I don't have enough time for this program to go through all of his experiences, but right out of the shoot, I'm going to tell you, you know, we got to thank this guy for his service because he was a platoon sergeant, a crew chief. And that started his career, I think, as he moved into security. I, he, uh, I'm reading through some of this. So he's a chief technology officer, an operating partner, adjunct professor, University of Virginia, vice president, security infrastructure and engineering for Harris Corporation, co-founder and executive vice president of Anovation. I said that wrong. Anovation. Maybe that's right. I'll ask him when we get there. There's many others in between where he is now and has been, it looks like, for at least four or more years as the Chief Information Security Officer at Laureate International Universities. I am so excited to be talking with John McClure today. John, thanks so very much for joining the program and having a chat with me today. I'm, I'm excited about it, Grant. Thanks for the uh, the very generous introduction. Oh, well, I, I look forward to talk, chatting with you. Yeah, no, listen. So I know I did not do you justice. Maybe you can uh, take a second, John, and, and, and add a little bit of uh, uh, Z-axis for the audience, give them some perspective on you. Sure, sure. Thanks, Grant. Uh, yeah, I think you got you, you got the early days right. Um, served in the the military for for about nine years, active military, and then and after thank that, you for your service. I'm I'm serious. My son's uh, a reservist, and I just have the utmost respect and admiration for anybody that's went out and stood up for our country. So thank you. Thank you, thank you, Grant. Um, and then after that, I was very fortunate and. Um, was able to support the U.S. government uh, intelligence community for a little bit over 20 years. And you kind of saw some of the companies that's associated with during that time, whether it's Harris Corporation or Anovation. Um, and then and then, as, as you stated correctly, I've been with Laureate for a number of years now, and that's been um, an exciting journey for sure. It's a very unique company uh, with quite a, a reach, whether it's global or whether it's um, in terms of scope and size of our employee base or student base. So, uh, no, it's been a great journey and, and look forward to chatting with you about it today. Yeah, this is great. You know, it's interesting. I think, John, your 
you're, I think you're my first guest from the university space, the education, higher education uh, space. And, you know, I've sold into and interacted with higher education for a long, long time. And it seems it's very, it's a very interesting uh, IT environment because at least years ago, you know, we didn't want to control anything, uh, I was told. We don't want to uh, block anything because this is the university and, and, and we want to enable free access and, and free learning. That's kind of diametrically opposed to a security strategy. How do you reconcile that in the university environment? Yeah, no, you're, you're right about that. There's just this huge spectrum and it's, it's pretty exciting. It's, it's a very different environment than what I'd worked with in the past. And like you said, you've got this one side of it that's just, hey, how do we enable new learning methods? How do we get outreach to more students and how do we leverage technology to do that? So that's like, put you know, let's put a lot of Google assistance and uh, Alexa's in, in the classroom and see how that works out. And let's try these different modes of, of communication and access for students, especially remote students, yep. uh, even more so lately. And so you're right. We do got that one side. And then we we, we have this other side of, you know, at, at Laureate, we've got 50,000 employees. We've got student data that we're required to protect. Um, and, and Laureate being global, you know, we've got privacy laws in Brazil that we got to be aware of and understand how we protect that data, very similar to GDPR. Mm -hmm. uh, we've got FERPA and the Department of Education requirements in the United States. And so it, it, it is diametrically opposed. We've got this very open attitude toward embracing learning, embracing creativity in students and finding new ways to deliver uh, education to students. And it, but, but in no way does it take away from our requirements to protect that data. And some of these schools do a lot around uh, health as well. And mm. so there's PHI, right? Um, personal right. health information that also has to be. Uh, so it's it's a balancing act for sure. Keeps us on our toes. Mm. Um, we, we've got whole labs at these universities that specifically work on ethical hacking and malware. And <laughs> and so it, it's, it, it is a challenging environment for sure that um, – I think really makes us think, uh, you know, there, there's not kind of one mode of thinking, right? Where we're going to protect everything and nothing gets out, right. um, nor, nor, nor is it the opposite. And so it, it's really been, a, I think, a process for us to really ensure that the culture that we're developing is embracing, embracing both sides of that, mm -hmm. not only that, that openness, but, but, but also um, you know, we take very seriously, obviously, the, the requirement to protect our students' data and our employees' data. Right. It's been a challenge for sure. Yeah, you mentioned, John, a couple of things that I just want to pull on. One that I think is very interesting, and this is a dynamic that I think uh, oftentimes we we are a little myopic and we don't always appreciate. You have this on one side you know this educational environment that is really intended to foster new ways of thinking you know problem solving and all the great things about education but right parallel to it tandem in virtually everything is a business <laughs> i mean a, a a business that has to pay bills a business that has to function and operate do you end up running parallel networks? How do you secure that 
uh, diametrically opposed traffic. Yeah, no, you hit it on the head. Yeah, we, we work a lot with segmentation, a lot with really making sure we understand our assets and where they live and, and how they should be interacting with, with the rest of our network and our, our students or our, our vendors and partners out there in the world. So, yeah, we, we've spent an inordinate amount of time and need and continue to refine that constantly because there is this natural ebb and flow of whether it's new students or new employees. You know, there's a lot of times in the education um, uh, business where employees are a bit temporary as well. You know, maybe you'll have a teacher who comes in and teaches for a quarter and then is gone. Um, and so it is, it is very dynamic uh, and it does make sure that the segmentation is 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 super critical. Again, there's parts of our network where we literally expect to see malware, and we should see malware, and that's healthy and expected. And there's other parts of the network where you know even if we see um, you know peer to peer sharing shouldn't be happening there. So we really need to understand our environment well. And interestingly enough, that's very different at each institution. You know, Laureate's not one college. Or one university, right? Right now, we're a group of about 27 universities oh, wow. in Peru, in Peru, in Brazil, in Mexico, in the United States. Um, so, so all of them are set up a bit differently. Right? Mm. Almost all of them. Only one of them is an online school. The rest are brick and mortar. You know, show, show up, show up for university as you'd think. Right. And so, each of those are are very different in how they've been constructed and how they've operated over the years. And take a and and, and it requires a very different approach for each of them. I remember. Years ago, it almost was as as if the customers, the university customers, they had this view of, well, nobody's going to break into our network. You know, nobody wants to hack us. There was this view that what did, you know, an education uh, environment have? And, and clearly, that's changed quite a bit. Everyone has has targeted traffic, targeted data that that uh, the bad guys want to exploit. But you mentioned only one of them is an online school. So given the experiences we've all been through over the course of the last 12, 15 months, was that school part of your uh, network, your organization before this pandemic? And did you learn from them being a remote education institution? Yeah, they've been with Laureate for, for quite some time now. That's Walden University here in the United States. Uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I think as, you know, when the pandemic really uh, hit and everybody, you know, we transitioned about 650,000 students to online learning. Yeah, go home. Um, <laughs> right. And, right. And we, we, you know, so taking almost three quarters of a million students to online learning in about three weeks and moving about at the time about 60 or 75,000 employees to remote work in such a quick period of time, there was a lot that we could learn um, from some of the um, work that Walden had done in the past. And and each of the other universities surely had very small components of distant learning, sure. but, but not, not their entire staff and right. not their entire student base. So yeah, definitely some lessons learned there, especially around, I think, collaboration. You know, how do we continue to engage students um, and for them to continue to receive a, a quality education. So there was there there was there were some lessons that, that we could pull from some of that earlier experience for sure. Yeah. So I imagine this is a, a Captain Obvious statement, but hmm. I suspect that the cloud played an important role uh, in this 
uh, accommodation during the pandemic for all of those nearly three quarters of a million students, no? No, sure has. And and it, it continues to, to be something we're leaning into. Um, some, some of our universities have made that journey a little bit faster to the cloud than others. We have some universities that are uh, you know, all in, all cloud now. Um, so it definitely accelerated those systems where, again, we had in, in some cases, some very small, smaller systems that were able to support a very small portion of distance learning being delivered to students to where all of a sudden, you know, you, you went from 10,000 students to 100,000 students again mm -hmm. in, the, in, the, in the course of a couple of weeks. And being able to, to scale and being able to really continue to deliver and communicate with those students and create more collaborative platforms that, that just hadn't been in place where, where the, the cloud played a huge role in that. And we see the cloud continuing to play a huge role in that. We, we know that a lot of students are going to come back on campus, but we also believe that distance learning portion um, of the education delivery that, that's happening now will be larger than it ever had been for us. So don't con the, the cloud will be something we continue to lean into, not only for education delivery, but again, collaboration platforms, student information systems, all of that kind of infrastructure that we need to continue to support the students. Yeah, yeah. So I'm going to take this a slightly different way because you are from the uh, higher education environment, John, and I just want to get your thoughts, comments, maybe find out if maybe you and Laureate are doing anything because the one thing that I have heard for, it's been the last several years is we don't have enough technical people. We don't mm -hmm. have enough technical resources to enable us to move at the speed of cloud, to secure, you know, I mean, go on and it's, it's constantly talking about we don't have enough people. Are you seeing an increase in that curriculum or is that an area of focus uh, for you or any of your uh, institutions? What's your assessment of the uh, labor shortage in cybersecurity, so to speak? Yeah, so a couple of thoughts. One is on our side, just to your point, us having enough people, um, it, it's surely a challenge. I mean, we know that it's a relatively small of at least experienced cyber people um, out there with the right skill sets and being competitive has has always been a challenge. We know that uh, the, the, the good, strong cyber folks out there always are going to have a lot of options and being able to compete and being able to retain that talent uh, continues to be be a challenge. Again, I think I think we've taken some some uh, great steps in making sure the talent that we do have we've been able to retain. Um, but I think the business is also taking IT more seriously, so to speak. Not that not that it ever didn't take it seriously, but I think with the move to that was caused by the pandemic, right? This incredibly accelerated digital transformation right. that so many organizations went through um, in in an effort to, in some cases, save the business, right? Um, and it was forced too, I, right, John? You you were forced to accelerate your digital transformation. You didn't have a choice. Exactly right. Exactly right. But I think it really that it resonated with the business of how important IT was in helping them enable the future of of their business functions. And so, in a lot of ways, I think it brought IT to the forefront as a business enabler, and has really been now more closely embraced by the business. That's in terms of. Uh, 
That's mm. that, I, that's interesting, John. And the reason I find it interesting is because much of the data has also showed many organizations when when this digital transformation was forced because it was literally, as you just said, you know, three quarters of a million students go home, but be productive and do everything like you used to when you came in, right? I mean, that forced every organization to really uh, think of their strategy, focus on what their business is, and it isn't cybersecurity. So I think it's interesting that you point out that it also may have heightened the overall awareness of security for the greater population of the organization. Yeah, it sure did. I mean, obviously, it was move quickly and 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 uh, let's find a way to keep these business core business functions rolling and us being able to continue to deliver that education. But um, but it was surely do it quickly and do it securely. Yeah, um, I think at the forefront of our mind, again, was um, the, the need to protect uh, that the you know we're entrusted with so many students and and once you start talking about alumni you know now you're talking about millions and millions of 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 former students as well that that we need to continue to protect their data and and protect the employees' data so it was a again it really it really made us get get better integrated I think as a entire business between the the you know, the kind of normal business side, you know, because if you're delivering education in the classroom, your big experience with IT was probably making sure the printer worked and, <laughs> you know, you, you could project something. But now all of a sudden um, it was being able to deliver the entire experience online quickly in an engaging way. And, and it really it really made us collaborate more more closely. I, I think in the end, as challenging and trying as as this last year or year and a half will have been. Um, it, it's really highlighted how well the business and the IT functions can work to deliver a better experience to, to the students. It's It's been a good experience for us, a challenging one for sure. But right. I think there's um, a, a lot of good to take away from it, too. Yeah, I completely agree, John. I think, I mean, I've made it a practice in my life to just try to always find the good, the positive uh, in every circumstance or situation. Uh, it's sometimes more challenging than others. And I, I agree with you. I think there's been some very positive results due to this whole pandemic thing. I'm curious to ask, this is a question I've asked other guests, and the way I set it up is memory. You know, how much memory are are, are you expecting us to have? And, and the context is, of course, if I gave you a a, a two-inch wide four-inch diameter rubber band and, and you put your hands inside of it and you pulled it apart as far as you could and then you let go, it, that rubber band would have nearly a 100% memory, right? I mean, it would just go back to how it was. Do you think we'll go back, uh, you know, when I, when I ask how much memory, are we going to go back to how it used to be? All students come into every one of the physical buildings. There's no more remote learning. I mean, that's, are we going to have 100% memory or is there going to be some hybrid, some balance? Yeah, no, I think it's somewhere in between. I, I think for sure a lot of people are going to want to continue to have that experience of going to university and, and physically engaging with other students and teachers. And so I think, you know, we're, we're not going to stay in this 100% remote delivery model 
um, for eternity. So I do think a lot of that's going to come back. But but I do think, but we do know that the distance learning part of the business will be larger than it was before. Mm -hmm. But you're seeing a lot of changes in education anyways, right? I mean, you're seeing where four-year on-campus degrees was were always the way education was going to be delivered. You know, we saw a move in a lot of cases to some remote learning options in different universities here in the United States and abroad. And, and then you, you're also seeing now, you know, micro certifications, um, those types of things being more embraced as well in terms of more f- focused learning. So mm-hmm. I think the whole learning industry is, is, is developing quite rapidly right, right now, getting away from, hey, I, I need a $100,000 investment in a bachelor's degree. Right. Um, and, and so I think the, the, the whole industry is changing a bit. But for sure, the pandemic I believe will have a lasting impact in in terms of people understanding that there are other ways to deliver quality education and and students being more open to that as well. I completely agree. And I, you know, from experience, my son is now a junior at Belmont University. And uh, so he, of course, like all students last year, he was sent home for spring break and never went back. Uh, And, you know, it's been an interesting Time, but he is very keen and eager to get back onto campus. And there is an experience that you just can't, you can't replicate remotely that you get when you're, uh, in person. But the flip side of that, uh, you know, John, I flew 270,000 miles in 2019. I didn't get on a plane, but only one time for work in 2020. And, uh, the number of events that I spoke at was nearly two and a half times more remotely, of course, than when I had to uh, travel all around. And so I wonder often is, you know, is my management, is, is, is organizations like, like Checkpoint and others, are they going to just fall back into that throwing money at at events, sending people all over the world to collect and gather together for events, or are we going to be more scrutinizing of those spends and those uh, activities? And it seems to me it would be the latter. Yeah, I, I, you're right. Agreed. Yeah, I think I think you'll see continued. I think people are dying for human contact right now, um, and that just the natural desire for humans to interact with each other and and how much that supports morale and good feeling and collaborate and, and esprit de corps with groups. I think I think people are missing that and I think some of that will come back. I do think though that some conferences might might never be physical again. Right. Um I th- you know, especially some of the smaller ones. And I, I think no doubt that for us we would continue to scrutinize um, travel even more closely. Yep. Like you, I, I used to get on a plane a lot and, and haven't much in the last year. And also for us, though, it's also from an education model, we are now reaching students who used to could never get to campus, right? Hmm. Who had to take a four hour bus ride each day wow, in yeah. one direction, you know, to get education. And so as we're de- continuing to develop that model, and finding better ways to deliver affordable education to especially distant, remote, very yeah. difficult to, to reach students has been a real opportunity for us. Yeah, that's a, you know, that's a great point. 
where the remote access, in fact, potentially opened it up for more that couldn't get there, right? Correct. Correct. Yeah. 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 It's, it's been a neat journey. I'm curious, you know, when you look at, at cloud and all the stuff that's been going on in the cloud and it doesn't seem to be abating, I'm curious, are you, uh, are your universities offering uh, more and more curricula that's cloud and cloud related or are you pushing back to other information sources and sticking with more of the traditional education and uh, degrees? No, in fact, so it, we're embracing the cloud quite a bit. And in fact, working even with some of the, the cloud companies out there to offer curriculum jointly created, whether it's with Google or AWS and, and some other entities. So again, I think that they are staying, the, the business side, the teaching side of these education institutions are are realizing that there there's just a huge opportunity here to deliver on on time relevant education, um, especially in IT, uh, which which clearly means you have to include that cloud space. And so some of it is, you know, in the past where perhaps a lot of that curriculum was internally developed and 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 delivered. That that's changed a bit. We we understand that the dynamic pace of IT, especially with the acceleration of cloud and the pace. Um, that that new developments are are happening is is us being able to partner and really collaborate with some of the leaders in that space is 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 critical for us to do that well. And so so again, we, we've we've reached out and working specifically with with some of the biggest cloud vendors out there right now to to create curriculum and and deliver that to students. Yeah, I I'm thinking to myself, this is not like math or English. <laughs> I mean, and what I mean is the pace of change, the pace of new mm. technologies and capabilities. I mean, a decade ago, did anybody know what Kubernetes was or use it? Right. I mean, when you right. look at some of the, the, the advancements, it's extraordinary. And it seems that it's only accelerating, which is exciting for all of us, but makes it much more challenging for institutions like yours, I suspect, to assemble and put together curricula that is changing so fast, makes sense to align with those that are swimming in those lanes. No, exactly right. If we, if we tried to put together some type of static curriculum, um, not that wasn't updated quickly and wasn't relevant to what is being um, experienced out there in the real world today. You know, by the time we we taught the class, it would it yep. would be dated. Yeah. So it and, and like you pointed out, you know, I, and I've talked to my staff frequently about this that you as an IT professional and definitely as a cybersecurity professional, you have to keep pace with this change. What 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 you may have learned to your point, and, and I use this specific example frequently. Hey, accounting hasn't changed a lot. <laughs> you know, you got you got a column for this, yeah. you got a column for that, and exactly. It's and not that it's not challenging, and not that we don't need extremely qualified people to do it. Yeah. But but the pace of change is very different, and and one of them, um, you know, really requires you to be highly engaged with the community. Um, continue to find opportunities to increase your knowledge because 
if you don't keep up with it, it'll it'll leave you in the dust. Yeah, no you will, kidding. You will, you will be much less relevant very quickly. Yeah, accounting, perfect example. I would suggest that probably some of the more challenging aspects of accounting are keeping up with the regulations and changings of laws and rules that you can and can't deduct and all, you know, the other stuff, less about the actual function of how you post uh, accounts payable or receivable, right? Exactly. Exactly. And, and again, I, I, I'm sure I don't understand enough about accounting <laughs> either um, to, to, to understand some of the intricacies of, of that uh, arena. But, um, but, but we know that attackers um, surely are continuing to develop their, their techniques every day. And, and for us to keep pace with that's critical. You know, frequently, again, if I continue to use the accountant um, analogy, and again, nothing, no, no, no bad word for accounts, <laughs> yeah. uh, but is that, you know, they don't have an adversary at the other end of a keyboard who's, who's specifically trying to make their life harder. Right. And, and, you know, so you, it, it's not a constant chess match every day of, of who has the better techniques and who's able to, to um, manipulate things in a way they either defend more effectively or attack more effectively. So, so it's just a, a different career choice. And, but, but for sure, continuing to find the opportunities to develop and um, continue to gain in that skill set. If not, again, the skills that you gained a year or two ago um, surely aren't going to be as relevant today as they once were. Yeah, that's right. Well, the one thing we know for sure is nothing staying the same. It's fast moving and it's exciting and it's uh I know myself personally, I feel so fortunate to have gotten into this industry overall. And I suspect, you know, with your tenure, you've got to have similar feelings. It's exciting to be in this space that's uh, become so monumentally important, critical to our daily lives. It, it's really amazing. Yeah, I wouldn't change it. You know, like, like you said, we've all had these kind of interesting career paths. I didn't think, you know, sitting on a helicopter for a number of years or, or being a platoon sergeant in the Army, surely I didn't see this career path for me at that moment. But it's surely been incredibly exciting. Um, you know, there's there's just an amazing amount of opportunity within it. You know, there's very um, specialized functions within cybersecurity or within the cloud space um, that is so unique to different areas. You know, yeah. it's, it's not this one just one skill set. Right. Um, it's gotten so whether, huge. Whether exactly. Whether you're in cyber on the attack side or the defense side or the governance side or the risk side and privacy side, there's so many specialized skill sets that need to continue to be developed. And for sure, it is critical to protect our businesses and protect our nation today. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Well, John, this has been an outstanding conversation. I really, really appreciate you taking time with me. I know you're a busy guy. I really just appreciate your insights, your views, and uh, I hope I can get you to come back on the program again sometime. I'd love it, Grant. Thanks for your time today. I appreciate it. John, thank you very much. Ladies and gentlemen, we got another one in the books. This was a different one, but I think really very interesting, some good food for thought about how uh, this whole pandemic and the cloud is influencing university and how we're seeing it change. So again, John, thank you very much for being here. Thank you, Grant. So ladies and gentlemen, 
Thank you very, very much. I really appreciate you being here. We got so many exciting executives and, and special guests on the, on the docket. I hope you'll uh, subscribe, share with your friends. And uh, thank you very much for being here. We'll look forward to having you on the next Talking Cloud. 